the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What's going on, everybody? Last day of April the 30th, and we are here with another Algatulo Craft Beer cast on AM 970, The Answer. And 43 years ago, this past week, this album, Black Sabbath, Seven in Hell, the first with Ronnie James Dio, uh, was released. They only did two albums, uh, this and Mob Rules, but this to me is my favorite, favorite Black Sabbath album of all time. Yes, Better than Paranoid, better than all those other things. I thought Ronnie brought a different feel to the band and made them better, um, lyrically tighter, musically unbelievable, and it's a shame Ronnie James Dio is no longer here. I can listen to this album from beginning to end a hundred times over, and it doesn't affect, you know, it doesn't bother me. It's too much. It's repetitive. It's this and that. It's a great, great album. We have a fantastic show for you tonight. Um, coming up in 10 minutes, the first of two segments from Coney Island Brewery. Jim Betts, the head brewer, is going to join me. Jim is doing some cool things. I wanted to spotlight some of the great beers that he's making that you can only drink at this brewery, located right on an iconic stretch of the Coney Island Boardwalk in Brooklyn. They're re- literally right next to the Brooklyn Cyclone Stadium. It's a great place. I did this interview a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we had some Melon Beast Bomoni Gardens pizza. We had some great beer, great conversation. Two segments with Jim and I can't th- thank him enough for his hospitality, uh, everybody at Coney Island Brewery. Uh, it was just a lot of fun and definitely a place I want to get back to. Now, we got a lot of beer news to get to, and we only have one segment really to do it in. Uh, we'll touch on a story about Japa Savasaria in our Suds and Duds segment, but right now, there is a ton of stuff going on, so let's dive right into it. So earlier this week, on Monday, the, uh, the 24th of April, big pe- press release comes out from Cape May Brewing. And I wasn't going to start with this because there was other New Jersey stuff I did want to get to uh, in, in terms of brewery stuff. But this is a big deal, folks. Cape May has announced this past week it plans to acquire the assets of Flying Fish Brewing Company, a renowned craft brewer located in Somerdale, New Jersey. The acquisition represents the union of two brands that charted the course of craft brewing in New Jersey with a shared foundation of an entrepreneurial spirit, strong local pride, passion for innovation, and a deep appreciation for brand fans. The acquisition, a strategic investment that will significantly increase the company's manufacturing and warehouse space, boost annual production capacity, and add manufacturing capabilities to support the expansion of its product portfolio. 
Now, as part of the agreement, Flying Fish will continue to be distributed by its wholesale distributor partners. Cape May will continue to operate at its existing locations in New Jersey, utilizing its Cape Beverage distributing network throughout the Garden State and wholesale distributor partnerships in Pennsylvania and Delaware. The acquisition agreement expected to close next month in May. Financial terms were not disclosed. Um, CEO and co-founder Ryan Krill said this is a massive milestone for both Cape May and Flying Fish, who we've long admired as a true pioneer of craft brewing in the Garden State since its founding in 1995. We're thrilled to expand our product portfolio and are approaching this acquisition with a focus on our core values, passion for brewing, and commitment to serving our customers with the highest quality brews. Now, some have said they're going to buy this and just sort of fold Flying Fish. That's not the case. They are acquiring them, and Flying Fish will continue. It just will be owned by Cape May. Now, I have reached out to the folks at Cape May, and yes, we are going to try and get Ryan Krill on. It will probably happen closer to the end of next month as the deal is is finalized and closed. Uh, and then, you know, obviously I've got uh, some questions for Ryan, and Ryan has been a friend of the show. He's been on before. Um, so we will uh, get those questions, and we will, um, you know, we'll ask him. Obviously, certain things, they're not going to disclose the financials. Uh, obviously, and um, I know that they have a pending lawsuit with someone. I'm sure they're not going to answer that question either. I will bring it up. They, I'm sure they will just say we are letting the legal process work out, but I have to bring it up. Um, but we'll see what happens. Flying Fish has not been relevant in New Jersey for quite some time. I cannot remember the last time that I had a Flying Fish beer anywhere on tap or in can. I think the last time I had it was probably at an event um that uh, Allison uh, was holding uh, from uh, Big Brew and all kinds of other stuff. In fact, if I if I looked it up, and I'm trying to look on Untapped to see when was the last time I had a Flying Fish beer. Let's see if it if it comes up. Uh, filter by brewery. Well, I want to. All right, let's see because I don't have a ton of time here. I'm trying not to. Uh, Flying Fish. All right, so I have 16 beers. Oh, deselect all, then select this one, and then apply. And the last time I had a Flying Fish beer, let's see, 2018, 2018, 2014, 2017, 2018. Yeah, the last time I had a Flying Fish beer was in 2018. So that tells you how, obviously, it's been five years since I've had a Flying Fish beer that I've actually checked in. On Untapped, probably I, I probably had one in the last, probably 2019. It's probably the last time I had a Flying Fish beer. So hopefully, Cape May does something to revitalize the brand because, to be honest, in a lot of people, a lot of circles, they they have not been as relevant, and I haven't seen them really anywhere in North Jersey. Uh, so we'll we'll get some more answers next month, and we'll uh, we'll get that information to you. Trogues Independent Brewing has announced the release of Perpetual Haze. Uh, that is uh, a, a companion to their popular Perpetual IPA. Uh, this is a 7.5% ABV, um, smooth, hazy, pillowy, soft, thanks to London 3 yeast and a grain bill featuring a blend of malted barley and raw wheat. It is available now on draft and in 16-ounce cans across the brewery's entire distribution footprint. And look for 12-ounce cans of Perpetual Haze as part of the forthcoming Summer Better Variety 15-pack that is slated for an early May release. So kudos to Trogues. Some great beers that are coming out uh, from Trogues. Stone Brewing is collaborating with Mova Brewing Company 
in Dinpro, Ukraine, in a statement of solidarity and support of Stone's distribution partners in Kiev, proceeds of the beer will support those affected by the war on Ukraine. This collaboration brew available on draft at Stone Brewing locations in the United States and at locations throughout the world. Uh, it is a 6% IPA brewed at Stone Brewing in Escondido using a combination of classic IPA hops and newer varieties. Mova Stone Side-by-Side IPA has flavors of papaya, orange, strawberry, and stone fruit with some dankness and sturdy bitterness. It is smooth and easy to drink. So kudos to Stone um, supporting those in the Ukraine. Left Hand Brewing uh, is excited to announce that tickets are on sale now for their 11th annual Left of Palooza. It's the ultimate tribute band competition. This year's event on Saturday, June 17th from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. at Left Hand Brewing's outdoor venue, The Garden. That's at 1245 Boston Avenue. Tickets can be purchased for $20 through Eventbrite. Attendees 12 and under are free. Private snugs for groups up to 10 are also available to purchase, but very limited. Concert goers get a full day's worth of great music and brews as local tribute bands go mic to mic for the top title, which is a $1,000 cash prize, which is pretty cool, and the right to return as the 2024 Left of Palooza headliner. Fans can vote for their favorite performance at the event. The crowd has the power. The tribute band with the most votes crowned their winner. Uh, a variety of artist tributes, sure to entertain all music enthusiasts. The first band kicks off at 11.30 a.m. Left of Palooza 2020 winner 10, which is a Pearl Jam cover band, will conclude tonight's festivities as the headliner. They're going to have food, libations, all kinds of great stuff. Uh, lefthandbrewing.com slash event slash leftapalooza-2023 for more information. Um, th- sounds like a, a, a great time. Unfortunately, I won't be able to to make it out there, although I really do have to get out to Colorado. I, I'm, I'm trying to work out a thing where I can go and see a concert um, at Red Rocks and still do Denver and sort of the surrounding areas. Um, but my wife is not exactly happy that I'm trying to plan these things without saying anything. So, you know, we'll see. Anyway, I'm trying to make it happen this year. It might not. It might have to be. Uh, it might have to be next year. Um, I just don't want to go out to, to Colorado in the wintertime. That's all. I'd rather go out when it's a little bit more temperate. What are you going to do? Anyway, uh, some some sad news to report. The brewery, um, Barry Holmes, the CEO of the brewery, sent emails out to folks, uh, including myself, to share some news regarding their um, Washington, D.C. store location. They are closing the brewery store um, at the end of April. So today would have been the last day. Uh, They recognize that the move will create a short-term disruption But this move will allow brewery friends near and far to have their beer shipped to 47 states plus Washington, D.C., starting as early uh, as next month. Uh, Since its opening in 2017, the Brewery Store D.C. has served as a home base for all of our East Coast operations. Their goal since its inception to turn the space into a tasting room. However, the space wasn't as conducive uh, as we would like for a true tasting room experience. This was basically in in, in the uh, train station uh, in Washington, D.C., and really it was a small space. I had not been there, but I have friends who have been there and said it really was a a tight, tight space. Um, So they are looking for another place to open up in uh, somewhere in D.C., so we'll see what happens there. They are working on an interim pickup location. However, for the foreseeable future, pickup orders will only be available to our society members. We understand that this may cause some inconvenience, so please don't hesitate to reach out uh, to the the CEO, Barry Holmes, of the brewery, uh, or their D.C. team at society at thebrewery.com with any questions, but they are rolling out expanded shipping to 47 states plus D.C. in the very near future. 
Um, keep an eye out for details and what this means for you and your out-of-state friends and family. Cheers, and thank you f- again for your support. So we'll see what happens. Now, if they're going to ship to New Jersey, that would spur me to get some stuff from the brewery because I do like their beer. Now, when we come back after a short break, Jim Betts, the head brewer at Coney Island Brewery, will join me from Coney Island, Brooklyn. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. You can follow me on Twitter very easily, at Algatulo, Instagram at Gatulo, G-A-T-T-U-L-L-O, Facebook.com slash AG Craft Beer Cast, Google Podcasts, iTunes, uh, Alexa, Odyssey, uh, iHeartRadio. We're all over the place. And, of course, you can also hear us over at thehoppedupnetwork.com. Those guys do a great job of curating beer-related podcasts. Mine happens to be one of them that's on there, and you can download the show just a couple of minutes after midnight uh, on Monday mornings, and you can listen to it at your leisure. Now, where are we now? Well, we're coming to you from an iconic area of Brooklyn, Coney Island. My next guest is the head brewer of Coney Island Brewery, and they're doing some pretty cool things we're going to get into over the next 20 minutes. We're going to do two segments with them. ConeyIslandBeer.com is the website for more information, but right next to where the Brooklyn Cyclones play and where we are, a pretty iconic spot in Brooklyn and Coney Island. The, the Nathan's is right down the street. you got the Cyclone, all of this stuff. Let me welcome to the Craft Beer Cast for the first time, although it's not the first time that we're meeting because we've known each other for quite some time, uh, head brewer Jim Betts. Jim, thanks for having me here. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Uh, pleasure to be with you, talking with you, Al. Uh, like many people who get into making beer and craft beer, the journey is usually the same, Jim. A homebrew kit bought for Christmas or a birthday, and then you, after you get create. You create your first 10 bad batches, the 11th one comes out great, and you want to share it with friends. Uh, is that how the journey began for you, or was it something else? Uh, yeah, it was p- pretty pretty similar. Uh, I did start homebrewing uh, at first, uh, although I didn't really do a ton of it. Um, <clears throat> my first uh, job brewing, uh, my, well, the first thing that I was doing for work really was bartending. Uh, I worked in fine dining bartending at uh, 11 Madison Park. Uh, I was there for about seven or eight years and then worked at uh, for Happy Cooking Hospitality uh, at Fedora Restaurant for quite some time. Uh, and as I was working there uh, is when I moved to Rahway, New Jersey. Uh, and at the time that I moved, it was the same time that a brewery there is where we met, uh, mm-hmm. Wet Ticket was opening. Um, so I started uh, moonlighting there kind of uh, while I was working uh, as a bartender. Um, and then I, over time, you know, kind of proved my worth to Tim and Al there, and, and they were gracious enough to offer me a position there. Um, but yeah, kind of similar. I, I, you know, I had done a couple of home brewing batches, uh, nothing serious, uh, but I had always been really interested in it. And in fact, when I left bartending, my my goal or left bartending at at Eleven Madison, my goal was to get into the brewing industry somehow, uh, and I just didn't know how to do that. Um, and one day, my, when my wife and I were bartending at, uh, at Wet Ticket, she overheard them say that they needed some help, and she knew that I was interested, so she volunteered me without even asking. Uh, she's always been really good at, uh, you know, being my uh, job getter. Um, so she, uh, you know, just set it up basically for me. I just said, yeah, they called me, and I said, yeah, I'd love to come help out. So I started there doing... Um, you know, going in at seven in the morning, I'd help them out until about two o'clock when I had to go to work. Uh, then I'd go bartend until two in the morning, and I did that as much as I could, or as much as they'd let me, until they finally offered me a full-time position. Wow, that's that's a great that's a great story because it's a great journey as to how you got there. 
um, you know, working in bars and getting that environment and getting that atmosphere in and then, you know, homebrewing yourself and then them letting, allowing you to help pitch in. What are the differences between working at a place like Wet Ticket and then coming here to Coney Island Brewery, um, you know, working at such a small place at Wet Ticket and the amount of volume that they do and now having to step up to that next level of, of brewing where you're not just, you're brewing for the masses, essentially, at Coney Island Brewing. Yeah, sure. I mean, our, our, our brewing system is actually pretty much the same here. Uh, and volume-wise, we're, we're almost doing about the same as, as Wet Ticket is, uh, the difference being that we're part of a bigger company. Uh, and, and a lot of what attracted me uh, to, to Coney Island in general was that uh, I think a lot of people have imposter syndrome, and I, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not one that didn't. And, I, and you know, I saw that uh, Coney Island Brewery was hiring, and, and I applied knowing that they were part of Boston Beer Company. Um, and I thought that it would give me a lot of ability to get involved in it with other people that were doing it for much longer than I was. Uh, and that's primarily what attracted me to the to the position here. Uh, and when I started here, I started only as a as the assistant brewer. I didn't move into the head brewer position until about a year later. Um, but what it what it did teach me uh, coming here was. Uh, <clears throat> learning how to actually build out a brewing schedule um, and, and getting introduced to other people. I, I get a chance every month to sit down with all the other brewers that work for the company and we kind of talk about innovation, what everybody else is doing at the other sites because uh, there's a number of different uh, sites within uh, the company. There's a tap room in Cincinnati. There's two in Boston. Uh, we talk with the Dogfish Head guys. Um, they have three three sites down in, in, in Delaware. Um and then we also have a, a, a site out in L.A., Angel City Brewing. Um, so it, it's been really good in that regard that I get to, you know, kind of throw ideas around. I get to tap other people's uh, minds. Um, and then, you know, we weren't, when I was at Wet Ticket, we weren't working with a distributor. Uh, so I've kind of learned a little bit of the ins and outs of that and, and you know, hitting deadlines and getting and things out. Not that we weren't doing it there. I mean, we had a pretty aggressive brew schedule there. Uh, and with with very little uh they were doing quite a lot over at wet ticket right. so but it's but it's obviously it's a bigger it's a bigger thing you've got to you've got to meet those deadlines because if you don't then it's going to be a problem it's going to back you know everything else up but i think it's really cool uh and we're talking with jim betts the lead brewer here at coney island brewing on beautiful uh, coney island in brooklyn 1904 surf avenue coneyislandbeer.com the website for more information we're coming to you from the brewery here on the Algatulo craft beer cast on am 970 the answer they're open a wednesday through sunday but you know that's the interesting thing. You get to collaborate with other people within the within your own company that are brewing beer, like Samuel Adams and Dogfish Head, um, and kind of tap into that, which is a lot of what you do here. You can be creative and innovative. If it's not just I have to make the now, I know you have to make you know the core beers and certain things that you have on tap here, but you can play around with a lot of stuff here as well, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, one of the one of the biggest things that we've been doing recently, which is uh, uh, something that we're really proud of, is, is called the Heart of Coney Island series. Uh, we've done beers with uh, the folks at Dino's Wonder Wheel. We've done beers with Nathan's. Uh, we did uh, the Plunge beer, which was at the Polar Bear Club. Uh, we also did something called Sideshow Side Seance, which was done with uh, uh, Coney Island USA. Uh, so we've really done our best to try and involve ourselves in the community uh, here and work with other people to get beers that they're excited about. Uh, and, and not only that, you know, we also like to just play around it. You know, my, my background in, in fine dining, when I was working at bars there, uh, I was leading a 
a cocktail bar in New York, uh, and I, I've always been really attracted to playing with different flavors, and, and I've, I've done my best to bring that to the brewing uh, side as well. Um, you know, one of the like one of the beers I can have you taste later is a beer off the Bright that we just finished, uh, which is blood orange and ginger, uh, just a kettle sour. Um, I've done beers, a lot of smoked beers in the past. I'm a big fan of smoked beers. Mm-hmm. Um, one that I've, I think that I had you try was with uh, with smoke and lime, and then we also did one that was similar to that uh, that we called street corn cream ale was lime, uh, with chili and smoke. And then, uh, the one that I remember you definitely tried was the, uh, it was supposed to be inspired by kimchi, but it yes. wound up being a little bit more of just a ginger beer. It was, uh, ginger lime and, uh, or excuse me, ginger and, and, uh, cayenne, uh, as a lager. Uh, so yeah, you know, I try to bring that as a lot of people do. I think I try to just bring that culinary, uh, uh, influence into the into beer making right and that was the the kimchi pilsner that you had at the uh the kickoff to new york city beer week that was last year when it was like 10 degrees out we were in that frozen building but i have to tell you that beer was delicious because the heat was there when you drank it but it backed off it wasn't oppressive and i thought it was really unique where i was like wow this is a beer you know what i could probably drink one and then i could probably drink another after that i think after two i'd probably have to back off a little bit but the heat was just perfect i think the biggest thing with heat beers is that some guys just don't know how you don't have to punch in the face with the heat. You can you can have heat and have it subtle and still taste good. But uh, before we take a break, uh, Jim, it's interesting that you say that that when you worked as a bartender, you were working with food. A lot of brewers, when they're creating beers, you're always thinking about how it's going to pair with a particular food. Is that your mindset when you go into creating a beer at Coney Island? You're always thinking. How, how is this going to pair with a piece of food that somebody's going to... Because they're going to buy it and they're going to bring it home. How are they pairing it with, with food? I think... Yeah, I mean, I guess you think about that with every beer that you make. Some of the beers uh, that I am making, I I guess I would, in certain respects, just think of them as, like, standalone things. You know, maybe... And, and you know, we have a lot of people that come through here. Our, uh, Victoria, Amelia, Kelly... And uh, Katie, who is our chef, have been doing a really good job of, of you know, bringing people in. Uh, and, you know, especially during the summer, sometimes we'll have people that are only stopping in once and they'll try a couple of different beers when they're here and then maybe never come back. They're tourists that come down to visit the parks. Um, you know, and, and everything in Coney Island has always been pretty esoteric or, or different. So I, I definitely try to at least with not all the beers, but some of the beers have something that somebody can try and be like, oh, that's, you know, that's really interesting. Uh, but maybe not something that they would have as like an everyday drinker. But then with the beers that I am making as sort of your everyday staples, like we, you know, I, we almost always have an Oktoberfest on tap because that's one of my favorite styles of all time. Um, I try to make them and think about them as how they'll, they'll pair with food. Uh, I can't say that I definitely keep that in mind with everything, but I could always make it work uh, with something if I needed to. <laughs> well said. Uh, we're talking with Jim Betts, the lead brewer here at Coney Island Brewery, uh, Brewing, 1904 Surf Avenue, right here at Coney Island. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with more with Jim, uh, a couple more questions with him, and then we'll wrap things up here at Coney Island Brewing because we've got a bunch of different beers to, uh, to try. Jim even got lunch. Uh, and it's not Nathan's, it's L&B Spumoni Gardens, which is one of my favorite pizzas. So uh, let's take a break, and we'll be back right after this on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. 
Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, talking with Jim Betts, the head brewer at Coney Island Brewing, as we are here at Coney Island Brewing on Coney Island in Brooklyn. If I say Coney Island one more time, somebody's going to have to buy me a beer. Oh, wait, there's beer in front of me. Look at that. Um, so, Jim, um, you, were, you were mentioning about um, the food that's here, because unlike New Jersey, because you can't have fun in New Jersey, of course, uh, you can't have food at most places. There are a few that you can. Um, that's a big element for people, whether they're at the stadium and uh, watching a Brooklyn Cyclones game, maybe they're walking on the boardwalk, maybe they don't necessarily want to have a Nathan's hot dog. You guys try to keep it fun here with the food, you know, because of the fact that it is a boardwalk type of atmosphere and people are are, are heading along. So how, how closely do you work with the chefs to sort of, you know, get a couple of beers in line with the food that's being served here? Uh, yeah, I mean, we work closely together. Katie uh, always is asking me, you know, what, what beer she thinks uh, that she can have paired with things. She's actually done a couple of, like, beer dinners uh, over the past couple of months. Um, you know, and, and she'll come up with ideas. We'll talk about, the like, what she thinks she wants to do as pairings, and I'll give my input. Uh, she's definitely spearheaded it. I'll, I'll give her a lot of credit for that. Um, but, you know, if anything seems like I... You know, maybe I'm not. I, I think there might be a beer that works better for it. Um, I, I will suggest it, but uh, you know, we we have a decent variety of beers. One one of my biggest uh, things is I, I always want to make sure that someone that can go into a brewery isn't going to see a whole slew of IPAs that they're going to come in and have variety and find something that they like. Um, and to be honest, a lot of the people that come into our brewery uh, because it is a huge space and looks a lot like a restaurant uh don't realize that it's a brewery first and restaurants like kind of second uh we have a lot of people that come in and just ask for bud light and don't understand why we don't have it um so i do try to make sure you know our flagship beers like mermaid and merman uh and beach beer you know generally do a really good job of of satisfying those those guests but uh i do try to make sure that we have something on tap all the time that will for sure make someone happy that is looking for for one of those types of beers what what is it like to brew beer in such an iconic spot i mean you know people talk about you know different places in new york city and and you know landmarks and things like the you know the statue of liberty the you know the the twin towers when they were here the world trade center uh the empire state building but what's it like to brew beer here at coney island what's that feeling like when you come in every day uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, we, we get in early. Uh, you know, I'm usually here at about 6.30. Uh, so, you know, when I'm coming in, the sun is typically still rising. And you're beating the traffic. Uh, yeah, got to beat the traffic. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I think what, what's awesome about it is, you know, when we're mashing in uh, or when, you know, when the, when the sun's coming up, you can walk outside uh, just where our windows are. Uh, you know, our, our, our mash done is right on the windows. And, uh, you know, the sun's rising over all the, all the amusement uh, rides and everything. And, you know, the parachute jump, it, it'll be lit up at night. And it's a, it's a really, like, spectacular thing. Uh, it's a beautiful area that, uh, you know, I think that you can see all the construction that's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think they're doing a really good job of trying to build up. They're rebuilding a lot of the infrastructure. Uh, you definitely feel uh, inspiration from the history that is in Coney Island, which, you know, like we... Like I said, we try to bring that kind of esoteric uh, uh, zeal to the beers that we're brewing. Um, I hope that I do it justice, but, you know, that, that's, that's for other people to decide, not me. I, I, I think you do. Now, you started working here before the pandemic. 
Then you were appointed head brewer shortly before the world basically stopped, you know, and everybody had to kind of reset. What lessons did you learn early on in the pandemic that helped Coney Island continue to make beer? Uh, I mean, we figured out how to cut costs as much. I mean, honestly, I just spent a lot of time home brewing during that time. Uh, we did not have a lot of people coming down here uh, for beer. Uh, we wound up dumping a lot of beer. Oh, wow. Um, <clears throat> You know, we tried to support people in the community uh, as much as we could, um, you know, as, especially with being part of a bigger company. I think that Boston Beer did a really good job of, you know, reaching out to people that were in need and, and making donations where they could. Um, yeah, and we, we just did our best to try and make people feel happy when they did come by. I mean, for a while we were doing to-go only, uh, and then finally when we could set up tables outside based on the, you know, we, we did our best to follow the rules to a T. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that it gave me a chance to try a lot of stuff at home that uh, maybe I wouldn't have tried if I, if I didn't have that time uh, here, you know, because I would have been just focused on trying to get stuff ready to go for you know as my first job as a head brewer and I didn't you know didn't want to screw it up and I think that I was able to screw a couple of things up at home before putting them to uh to work here uh yeah I I mean you know and I spent a lot of time just reading more about brewing and trying to learn like fill in some more information and gaps Jim that's a great answer to the question because I've been asking that question for the last couple of years during the pandemic and and Almost everyone's answer has been, well, we're trying to keep the doors open. We're trying to keep business going. Obviously, being a part of a bigger company um, absorbs some of that impact of that economic cost that you couldn't open. Not a lot of people get to do that in the brewing business. So, And it was fortunate for you that you were able to you know, be home and you know, sort of experiment on things that you wanted to do, like, like you said, without you know, doing them here and you know, maybe making a mistake and saying, oh, we've got to throw out this batch. Well, you're doing it on a smaller scale. Uh, at home, and I think that learning curve, I think, has helped you. And I, I think that's—I uh, don't think a lot of people get to experience that, or or did get to experience that during the pandemic. So uh, that's a great answer to that question. Beach beer—you mentioned it before. It's back now at the brewery on draft and in cans on store shelves. It's a Kolsch, and um, you know, simple beer, malt, water, hops, yeast. You got to do it right. If it doesn't come out right, you're going to know about it. Is a Kolsch a perfect beer for the beach? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, you know, it kind of, I mean, it literally is sort of the in-between of a lager and an ale. Uh, it gives it a little bit more fruitiness. It's also, the beer is also dry hopped just a little bit. Uh, so it's got a real nice kind of lime, uh, ar- aromatic to it. I always kind of think of like, uh, like lime fruit loops. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean it, you know, it's, it's very refreshing. The bitterness is low. Usually you just keep on drinking them. Uh, and yeah, I think I think it just adds a touch more complexity than than a lager might have. Uh, not to, I mean, lagers are one of my favorite uh, styles of beer. But yeah, I think it I think it is a great beer for you know a nice sunny summer kind of lawnmower type beer, or sitting on a beach and yeah, just kicking back and yeah. Now, uh, interesting thing that I saw here at the brewery uh, before I get to uh, a couple of my last questions. When I walked in, uh, the two fo- uh, fooders, uh, fooders, fooders, fooders. Yeah, yeah. Fooders. See, I always get that wrong. Uh, they're named uh, Anakin and Luke. There's a picture of Chewbacca on the uh, on the on the walk-in box. What's the story behind the whole Star Wars theme? Uh, so when I was working here uh, as the assistant brewer, the the previous brewer was Matt um, Matt McCall. He went and opened up his own brewery actually out in Pennsylvania uh, called the McCall Collective. He had put the uh, Chewbacca on the uh, walk-in and called it the Wookin Cooler. 
uh, and I kind of just let that, let that roll. So uh, uh, when we got the fooders in, I named them Luke and Anakin. I put a sign on Luke that says, I am your fooder. And uh, I also have a doll of Grogu. Uh, I'm a big, I like the Marvel comics too, so we have a bunch of Marvel comics away. And then uh, we named our pilot fermenter uh, Grogu as well. Uh, we haven't named any of the larger fermenters, but I'm sure we could find a couple of names from the Star Wars universe to, to throw on there if we need to. Because I, I, I think that would be great, because Torch and Crown in Manhattan, all of their tanks are all named after rap artists. So they, they do a whole rap artist. I think that would be cool if you did like a whole Star Wars or a Marvel thing here. I think that would be great. Now, um, obviously, you guys are right next door. Uh, to where the Brooklyn Cyclones play. Uh, your beer is at City Field, and, um, I mean, there's a ton of great craft beer at City Field, but obviously Coney Island being one of them uh, at City Field. Uh, have you got now, I, I should know this, but I don't, and I know you talked about working with the community about doing different beers. Have you guys done a beer with Brooklyn Cyclones, or have you uh, have done a beer with City Field specifically for one of those stadiums? We haven't done specifically for the stadium. Uh, we have, in the past couple of years, released uh, a beer called Beer Here. Uh, the first time around we did it, it was actually a, a, a Goza-style beer with uh, with sunflower seeds in it. Sunflower seeds are pretty iconic for baseball, and it's always actually been one of my favorite snacks. Uh, but we didn't really see the traction, like people weren't into it, so we changed it over to a double IPA. Uh, uh, in this past year, we did it with... Uh, I don't think it was 100% New York ingredients, um, but it was as close as we could to getting that. We used uh, the New York meat copper hops. Uh, we used some New York Cascade in it and mostly New York malt. Uh, and then, you know, we tried to set everything. So I, th- I think it was, I'm not terrible remembering uh, all these, but it was, we made it 8.6% for the 86 World Series Mets. <laughs> Nice. I, I think it's Tom Seaver who was number 41. 41 that's correct. Uh, so we did it at uh, four, 41 IBU. Um, and there was something else that we did for it that I can't I can't remember the uh, the other number of significance that we did. But, but, for Hernandez or, uh, I, I don't remember. We, we tried to do a couple of different things right. that were significant to the Mets for it. Uh, and we haven't done anything with the Cyclones, uh, but they do carry our beer in the stadium. Right. Um, and we have a really great working relationship with them. Uh, they are our landlord, but, uh, you know, they, they're, they're very supportive of us, and, and, you know, we tried our best to support them when, when we can. So We're talking with Jim Betts from uh, Coney Island Brewing. He's the head brewer here, and uh, we're at Coney Island Brewing today at the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer, 1904 Surf Avenue. Uh, they're open Wednesday through Sunday. Yes, they have food here as well. Uh, great spot, big, big uh, tap room, which is, which is pretty awesome. One of the other things I noticed before we wrap things up, Jim, uh, as I was looking over at the, um, you know, the different beers and stuff, you have a, a little note on the bottom of the beer to go where it says, lines cleaned and a date. I love that because I, have, I don't think I've ever seen that at another brewery where you know when the lines have been cleaned. For the people that don't know or understand, how, is it, how important is it? to make sure that your draft lines are clean, whether it's on an every-week basis, two-week basis, monthly basis, however it is. How important is it for your lines to be clean? Uh, it's really important. It helps the quality of the beer quite a lot. Um, we I clean them every two weeks. I just actually cleaned them yesterday, so I have to change the date on right. that. But uh, it was the reason that we started to do that, actually, I can't take credit for it. It was because of the New York State Brewers Guild. They started, or the New York State Brewers Association, my apologies. Uh, they started to, uh, right before the pandemic, they wanted to train a bunch of people to, to clean lines. 
and it was an initiative that they wanted to start, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, to get breweries first and then other uh, craft beer spots putting on when the lines were clean so that people that, you know, so that consumers would start to see it and realize, hey, this is something that's important. Uh, and I thought it was a really great idea, and that initiative sort of got killed by COVID, um, but I just kept it running here because I thought, you know, it, it keeps us honest to make sure that we're, we're doing it. Uh, and I think we've had a number of guests that come in and see it and really appreciate it. Uh, but, you know, in terms of beer quality, it's super important to keep the diacetyl out and other possible infections that can happen in your beer lines just over time uh, and without proper, uh, without proper maintenance. Mm-hmm. So. And, and honestly, when I saw that, I thought that was great because I'd like to see other breweries doing that because that's an important thing, obviously, when you're coming in here. Um, not that I'm a beer expert by any stretch of the imagination, but it's important that you keep your lines clean. Last question I have for you, Jim. Biggest lesson you learned from bartending that you still apply to brewing beer today? That's a great question. Uh, I mean, really, uh, what bartending taught me was to uh, just keep a cool head when things are uh, going crazy. Uh, we, you know, like a, a lot of people in uh, in hospitality will talk about being a swan or a duck, you know. Uh, and I think that you know when sometimes stuff goes really wrong when you're brewing uh, and you're dealing with you know stuff that's dangerous. You're dealing with hot hot equipment uh heavy equipment and uh i think really what it just taught me was to keep a cool head and keep keep your sails in the right direction when things uh kind of hit the fan so good enough jim betts head brewer coney island brewing uh i am so thrilled to finally have gotten here and had a chance to chat with you uh, for a couple of segments i'm sure the audience appreciates it but this is great uh the pizza is great the beers are going to be great i can't wait uh to dive in Uh, But, Jim, thanks for having me here. Very much appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure. It was great to have you. Up next, it's time for Suds and Duds on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Segment of the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy. The answer. Walk away from Black Sabbath's Seven and Hell album. Of course, earlier this week it was forty three years that this album was released. The first with Ronnie James Dio, and again, as I mentioned earlier in the show, only two albums with uh, with Ronnie. He went on to uh, form his solo band Dio uh, shortly after he left uh, Black Sabbath. So there you go. Um, before we get to suds and duds, real quick, two things that I want to mention. One is an event. Uh, that is happening. Uh, my friend Heidi, uh, a dear friend of mine from high school, uh, asked me if I could promote this, and I, I certainly want to promote something that really is a great cause. Um, one Soldier and One Dog. This is a, an organization, uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Tim Duffy, who is a retired NYC firefighter. He's a U.S. Navy veteran. He's a, a fire department 9-11 survivor, uh, has a passion for those who suffer from PTSD and dogs. And he's combined those passions by training dogs in need of a home with veterans suffering from PTSD to give both of them something that they desperately need each other. So uh, he's a nonprofit organization uh, based out of Manalapan. They're doing an event, One Soldier and One Dog Together. Um, This uh, will be taking place Sunday, June 25th. 
It is the third annual One Soldier, One Dog, One Team bike run. The ride begins and ends at the American Legion Molly Pitcher Post 434 in Englishtown. Uh, registration begins at 10 a.m. It's $20 per rider, $10 per passenger. Kickstands are up at noon. Walk-ins are welcome for 10 bucks. After party includes with vendors and live music. All of the funds raised will benefit the One Soldier, One Dog, One Team. Uh, you can uh, head over to the Molly Pitcher Post, the American Legion Molly Pitcher Post, 434. It's 11 Sanford Street in Englishtown, New Jersey. Again, Sunday, June 25th. Kickstands are up at noon, and this is a benefit to help out One Soldier, One Dog, One Team. Uh, for more information, One Soldier, One Dog, One Team dot U.S. That's the website that you can uh, check out. And if you want to uh, donate, you can. There's a donate button on the page. Uh, along with uh, information about the organization and, again, about the event that takes place on Sunday, June 25th at the American Legion Molly Pitcher Post 434 in Englishtown, New Jersey. Let's dive into suds and duds, and then i got one other thing before we get out of here. Uh, a Wesley by Landmade Brewing, uh, a well-done Hefeweizen, less than a month old, banana clove, delicious, bought this over at Craft & Carry on St. Mark's Place, fantastic beer. The couple of beers that I did have at Ross Brewing uh, for their opening, Launch Party, which was a really nice and light uh, IPA, uh, which I was surprised. The flavors were great, an excellent beer, uh, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they sold out of the, um, the, the launch party at the event. I think both on tap uh, and in cans. Meet me at the Snack Shack. Uh, this was a beer that I had wanted to try for a while and never got around to, to trying it. An easy drinking session uh, beer, really, really fantastic. And then I had the uh, Shark River Pills was one from Russ that I hadn't had yet. Solid Pilsner, uh, a really, really uh, delicious beer. Then um, a Twin Elephant Trop Pop, boy, I'll tell you, light, refreshing, looks the part of a hazy, drinks really nice, a very, very slight bite, but a really, really uh, fantastic beer. And, you know, listen, I love everything that Twin Elephant does. There's there's really not much that Twin Elephant does that I don't like. Um they crank out some delicious, delicious beer. Um, got a chance to dive into Hazy Rays, uh, which was sent to me by Lawson's Finest, and I thank uh, Sean Lawson and his team uh, for sending me that beer. And if you're looking for a sessionable Hazy, this is definitely your beer. It it drinks great. It is a good summertime sort of IPA sitting in the parking lot, tailgating, waiting for a Mets game to start, maybe waiting for a concert. Um, this is a great beer. I know a few people had said at the beginning when it was when it was tapped that it was perfumey. I, I'm getting the sense that it, it was the wrong beer that was sent. I don't know because it this drank great. I really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, Rarit and Rye. That's one um, that uh, John Carcosa had given me uh, before I left. What a great red ale. A little spicy. Uh, dug it a lot and a great recipe by Matt Potensky. I uh, just had to throw that out there. An excellent. Um, Red Ale, and I'm not a big Red Ale fan. I don't go out of my way to have one, uh, but this was definitely one that uh, was really, really good. Tasty. Uh, I could definitely dive back into that uh, over and over. Um, the the good folks from Source, they're doing these astrological beers. So they did an Aries. Now the Taurus version is out, of course, being a Taurus, since it was my birthday a couple days ago. I had to buy this. It's called What's Your Sign? So this is the Taurus one. Uh, dry Hop Juicy. Uh, loved it a lot. Fantastic beer. My my guess is all of them are going to be IPAs. I, I I don't really know the whole story behind the whole thing. Obviously, I know it's astrological signs, but I don't know the story behind each beer. And I'm, the the first two were IPAs, so I'm assuming the rest of them are going to be IPAs. I could be wrong. You never know. Finally, in honor of our interview with Jim Betts this weekend, 
Um, uh, beach beer by Coney Island. Um, solid summer beer. Great Kolsch. Delicious. Good flavor. Um, 12 ounce cans, which I like. Uh, Jim is doing a great job there, and it was just a, a fantastic time uh, spending some time over at uh, Coney Island Brewing. I, I absolutely have to get back there um, before the end of the summer because it is a really, really uh, cool brewery. And then finally, before we get out of here, uh, the ladies from uh, Japa Savasaria, a Brazilian-based brewery with women of Brazilian and Japanese descent, have teamed up in honor of Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Uh, they have teamed up with uh, fellow Asian community members to brew Tigressa. It's a hazy rice IPA that will launch in uh, U.S. and Brazilian markets in May. The collaboration includes the women of Japas, uh, Maira Kimura, uh, Tanya Matsuka, Mutsoka, 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 uh, Yumi Shimada, and uh, Fernanda Uneo, um, who also invited Brazilian content creators Priscilla Jung, uh, Maya Tenzansky, and uh, Cynthia Zhu to participate in the project. I'm sure I'm getting their names wrong, and I apologize. Uh, Tigressa, a hazy rice IPA. It's double dry hopped with Amarillo and Citra. The rice adds lightness to the style, making a hazy, making this hazy IPA refreshing and highly drinkable. Um, the 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 label artwork showcases intensity through the combination of color and symbolism with the colors representing the aggression of the female tiger, the tigressa, and the female tiger symbolizing the fuel that's needed for the fight for representation. Um, it'll be available in both Brazil as well as in participating retail locations in the following U.S. markets, California, Colorado, Florida, New York, Wisconsin, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island, and uh, they chose rice for the recipe because it is the most common ingredient on their family's tables and because it is part of the staple diet of so many other families that come from different parts of Asia. That from Fernando Uneo, co-founder, brewmaster, and quality director uh, for Japas. That's awesome, and if I find some in New York, I am definitely going to pick some up. I love these ladies. I love what they do. I think they make fantastic beer, and I keep saying we have to get them into New Jersey because I think people will really enjoy it. My thanks to everyone involved in the show, including my guest, Jim Betts of Coney Island Brewery, located right next to the Brooklyn Cyclone Stadium, and of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. Back on the Joe Piscopo Show Monday at 6 a.m., this has been the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Cheers, everybody. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 